presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts, Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. I am the aforementioned Tim Weisberg and with me is the aforementioned Matt Costa, or as he's known in these parts, the silent assassin. Matt, how come we didn't have the announcer guy? Referred to as a silent assassin because we hadn't come up with a name yet. Yeah, I think that was it. Is he? Is can we have that redone? Do you think? Um, Here? No. <laughs> I I ask you questions like Matt. Monday morning, can, when you're in the staff, the the board meeting, uh, can you uh, let them know that we need to have some new promos and, and bumpers yeah. and liners like, recorded? I don't like to ask for stuff here. Because then they know we uh, we still come in. I know. So. I, <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't know, we do this in secret. WBSM isn't aware that we're No, it's, it, it's kind of a... Th- they have a, a laissez-faire approach to the Spooky South Coast program. They, they just let us do... As long as we don't incur any fines or, or cause any trouble or break any windows, we're usually okay. And uh, you know, normally I, I, I say that we're going to break down the fourth wall when we let people inside on a little bit of information. But, uh, you know... This time of year, you don't want to break down that fourth wall because it's usually freaking, freaking freezing outside. Was that a Spanish WBSM? Was that what that That's the other station. That's the. I think you're bleeding through with the old. Uh, what was it called? What was it called? The Rock Station. Um, KKB. KKB. KKB Rocks. That's right. Hey, I want I want Stones tickets up from from that place, so I can't really complain. All right, anyway, we digress. You know, I'm a little bit angry, science advisor Matt Moniz. Not at you this time. Okay. But I'm, I'm a little bit upset. I, I got a little bit of a chip on my shoulder tonight. Now, for those of you who, who are unfamiliar with Spooky South Coast and, and what we do here and what we talk about, we talk about the paranormal, the strange, the unusual. It, like when people pop peas on the radio, that's pretty paranormal. But we talk about the paranormal, the strange, the supernatural, the unexplained, just things that you don't normally hear about on the radio. And we also, we, we don't just sit around and talk about it because Matt Moniz wouldn't let us do that. We actually go out, we experience it, we research it, we read about it. We we, we had an impromptu paranormal convention this afternoon. Yeah. You and I and, and Mike and Paula, Paula Markowitz. And, you know, this, this this is what we do. We eat, breathe, and sleep this stuff. Matt Moniz more than us because I don't know if I could eat paranormal food all the time. It's already killing me from when I had it the other night. But... You know, this is what we do. This is what we talk about. And so normally, you know, it, it will come up in conversation with people during the course of the week. Uh, they'll say, oh, well, you do a radio show? What's your radio show about? Or they'll say, oh, I, I heard you started a new business. What's your new business about? Powerrelations.com. So it, it comes up in conversation. And when you start telling people about it, you know, there's so many of them that just immediately shut it down. Oh, ghosts? Oh, yeah, that's not real. Why would you waste your time talking about that? Somebody actually said to me once, I'm not going to name any names. But somebody actually said to me once, you spread yourself like so thin with your time as it is. 
you between the four or five different jobs you have, you know, the three different newspapers you write for, all this different stuff that you do, you spread yourself so thin. Why would you waste your your free time and Saturday nights and other times during the week chasing after ghosts? And I said, well, you know, it, it's what we always say. Unless it's happened to you, you're not really going to understand it. You're not really going to appreciate it. You're not really going to maybe have that desire to have it happen again, to be able to prove what it was, to figure it out. But it, it did bring up a good question, you know. Why do we believe? If you haven't had that experience, there's a number of people who haven't had an experience yet still firmly believe. And and There are a vast number of people that have had experiences and refuse to believe. Exactly. You know, but to me, I'm tired of answering the question. I mean, I'm happy to answer the question in, in terms of, you know, sharing with people my experiences and if they know me enough and they trust me enough, they say, well, you know, you're, you're not a BSer, Tim Weisberg. So, well, I am. But... Usually, you don't lead me astray when you're telling me about something. You're usually pretty accurate. So, you know, accuracy is part of kind of what I do. I have to be kind of accurate in, in my reporting. So if I'm not, then, you know, I'm, I'm kind of a hack. So I try to be accurate when I'm presenting these stories of the paranormal to, to people. To the best of your ability with your information you give them, right? And, and they still look at me like I have three heads. Even though they, they believe that I believe, you know, they're still not ready to buy it. And I'm just, I, I like telling them about what's happened because their eyebrows raise and they say, well, you know, if that really happened, then, yeah, you might be onto something there, but I still don't buy into it. And it just got me thinking all week long about belief, about what we believe in when it comes. There's so many, there's people out there who had one experience 25 years ago, yet are still out there looking for it every day, trying to recreate that experience. At what point is it? That you just say to yourself, look, maybe it was a one once in a lifetime fluke thing. You know, it's not going to happen again. It's not worth the time and energy of going into this and, and chasing after this stuff and spending the money in this economy to go out and buy different paranormal equipment or go to different places to investigate. You know, there's, there's got to be the, the, the two camps, at least, of, you know, the people who they do believe, but they've just had it with the paranormal in general. And then there's got to be the, the people that. You know, they they firmly don't believe, yet they're still out there every weekend, you know, trying to, to prove that to other people. These are the two camps we don't really talk to, we don't really hear from. I'd like them to get in on this debate tonight. I'd like to hear from people out there, why do you believe in the paranormal? For what reason do you have? Or don't. Or, or don't, yeah, either way. But, I mean, we know what's happened with us. We know what we've experienced. Nobody can change that. They don't have to believe it. It's nice if they do, because... Then it makes it easier when we go to them the next time and say, okay, now this happened. Once we can get them to kind of say, okay, you know, we're not crazy. We're not hallucinating. We're not on drugs. Most of the time, we're not <laughs> at least one-third of the group. But, you know, this is a, yeah, even the Farm 107 laughed at that. But, you know, this is something that I think is paramount to what we're doing here you know we, we need to understand what it is that people are willing to believe why they believe it why they don't believe in, in certain other things and i don't want you to just call up and tell us what happened i mean everybody's got their story if they do believe of why they did if you want to call on and share that's fine but i want to get to a little bit more than just that not just what happened to you and why why is it that that happened to you 20 years ago and 20 years later, nothing else has ever happened to you, yet you're still willing to hold on to that belief. You, you can't, after all that time, just say to yourself, well, maybe I did imagine it. 
You know, and and I'm not saying that you should. I just want to know why you're you're hanging on to that because for me, I keep having the opportunity to have this reiterated to me time and time again that the paranormal is real. Uh, that's just the nature of of this job and doing this work. It's always going to be up in my face, and we're a little bit more fortunate than most people might be because it really is kind of right up in our face. And I think that's partially because for some reason, you know, we're there and. and the spirits kind of see us as a conduit to get the word out. You know, we're kind of like, as, as, as the mediums say, we're that beacon in, in the darkness they're looking at. I'm not trying to be, you know, I'm not trying to ruffle my own tail feathers here, but I'm just saying, like, for some reason we seem to draw a paranormal other side crowd. <laughs> but also, I think, because of our approach and because of what our beliefs are, that this stuff is kind of all around us anyway. There doesn't have to be... You know, a tragedy. There doesn't have to be somebody murdered in the room and their spirit stays here and wants to tell us who the murderer is. That, you know, you can find the paranormal anywhere. And I think that that's kind of benefited us too. But, you know, we, we get that constant reiteration of that. You're out there more than we are. So I can only imagine if you go out for six or eight months at a time without a single paranormal event happening in these investigations, it's still not going to waver you compared to the amount of case files that you've built over the years. No, not at all. I mean, there has been times where I've gone months without having anything come up. But it's those few cases where you get, you know, a little flurry of, of activity that keeps you going from the next stuff right off the bat when you walk in the door. Other times you can be there ten times and not get anything, and it's the eleventh or twelfth time that is the final charm. See, and you're in a different kind of uh, perspective of things than uh, most other common investigators are because of your day job as a scientist. Right. You're constantly working with abstract ideas, and, and you know, you, your, your understanding of science and the physical world goes beyond what we learned in, you know, 10th grade biology, 11th grade physics. You know, a lot of people that are out there doing this, they don't have that deep of a background. Well, it, with me, it's by necessity for the type of work I do, but... Mm -hmm. Um, I'm looking at these things when I investigate them as an objective scientist. I don't believe or disbelieve because science, that's what it's all about. A lot of people say, well, you take, you know, uh, a skeptic's role in dis." No, that a true science uh, takes into account everything. You don't discount anything because if you do that, they, then you're already stacking the deck. You let the data make the decision on what you're finding. That's where and, that's where the rule is. Well, I understand that you have to use that for each individual, say each individual investigation or each individual case, you have to apply that. But, I mean, overall, big picture, you do have a belief that this phenomena does occur. Put it this way, after about 20-something years of doing this, the data has indicated to me personally from my own observations of it that there is definitely something going on that warrants further and closer examination in all fields. And And can you... Use, I mean, for you, you're not a religious guy. Uh, I'm more. I would consider myself spiritual. Yes, you you have your belief system, but you're not outward with it. You have what it is that that you know, kind of the what gets you through the night kind of approach. You know, you have your philosophies, your your belief in in faith and spiritual spirituality is, and and you're not broadcasting it. You know, you keep no. it to yourself. So, on, I mean, outwardly on the surface. To anybody that knows you, it's, you know, science is, you could say, your religion. You know, that's what you put your faith in. That could be a fair argument, yeah. 
and and to a number of people that are out there, they have to balance their the same type of thing, their strong belief in science and what it is that you know is the data is showing them, and then at the other time they have that spiritual side where it might be a little bit more more overt than it is in your case. Well, you have to look at it this way: both sides have their limitations, and I think they they complement each other if you balance them correctly. I, I watched. All right, look, first of all, let me throw the phone numbers out in case people want to join in in the discussion, and feel free anytime. Five zero eight. Nine nine six zero five hundred five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred. You can also email us spooky crew at spookysouthcoast.com. We can get those emails right here in the spooky studio. And of course, you can go to our website spookysouthcoast.com if you want to get any more of these numbers or email addresses or anything during the course of the show. I was watching a program this week. Uh, you know, I have the, uh, the the Verizon cable. Plug yep. plug. Give me some. Give me a free month. So I have the Verizon cable, and I'm, I'm searching through. They have the Smithsonian Channel, and they have a, uh, just great documentaries all the time on this, uh, on, on various different subject matters. I watched like six hours worth of documentary on uh, the history of blues music and soul music. Just great, great stuff. And they happen to have a, a couple of specials about the lost gods, you know, the lost belief systems of ancient cultures. And... I started talking to my wife about it because, you know, normally we're not people. We watch a lot of TV, but it, that always tends to lend itself to some sort of discussion about the nature of God and how, you know, at one point there was a God to explain everything. If your next door neighbor sneezes, that's because, you know, Pepperus, the God of, uh, <laughs> you know, he was he was the one that was causing your neighbor to sneeze. And, you know, they had all these belief systems and various different gods. And as different cultures conquered other cultures and their beliefs were assimilated into that, you know, eventually things got streamlined. And, and basically we said, okay, well, we don't really need to have all these different gods to explain anything because we can cover it all with one. And it just started to build in my mind, you know, are we, when we follow the idea of a god, are we chasing, you know, just assurance? Is that what we're chasing? And I said, you know, how, how can I ask that question and at the same time, know so many people that have had these spiritual happenings in their life, that have had these spiritual, you know, beyond death occurrences, uh, out of body experience, all these things that are beyond what it is that normally we would accept and and go about in our daily business. You know, we're talking about uh, out of body experiences. Like I said, we're talking about you know dreams where you can communicate with the dead or being able to communicate with the dead not in a dream state. Just all these different things that go beyond what it is that we believe, and yet we can say, well, you know, there, maybe there is. Some people will say maybe there isn't a god. Almost everybody would say maybe there isn't thirty-five gods to explain everything. You know, it's like how can we, if we're supposedly more advanced as, as, as a civilization than we were then, where we don't need to have these these gods and everything to explain everything that happens? Why is it in this point in time we have to have science explain everything that happens? It's just man's nature to want to understand himself and his environment. It's nature. I'm, I'm going to be long-winded tonight, by the way, so that's, feel free to cut that, me off at any time. That's fine. You're doing great. It's just this is this has been building up, and and normally we don't use opinions in our own our own thoughts because that's not what the format is here. Yeah, it's not our job. We're here as just the vehicle for other people to voice. Basically, the way this show would work. Ultimately, in our minds, as I would open up the show, I'd say, hey, welcome to Spooky South Coast. Let's go on with the program. Tonight's guest is, you know, such and such a person. 
And then what would end up happening is from there we would, uh, you know, open up the phones and people would just call and that would be it. Callers, guest. Callers, guest. We wouldn't even have to do anything except press buttons. But that's not the way it works. We have to ask some of the questions around here. And tonight we're asking the questions of you. What is it that you believe when it comes to the paranormal? Why do you believe it? Or not believe it. Or not believe it. I, you, you're going to have to keep mentioning that for me because... Well, because there are people out there that will refuse to believe, no matter what you put in front of them. I mean, just like there are other people out there that, you know, will believe anything and there's nothing that you can show that will dissuade them that it's not real. I like those people because they're the people <laughs> that I always try to sell things to on Craigslist. <laughs> No, no, no. The, the truck runs fine. The battery's just dead. <laughs> By the way, it's amazing how quickly the price of steel can drop in three hours. That you can get offered $200 one minute and then 150 the next. But I digress. All right, well, Matt, we should probably get a break in. Do we need to take a break? All right, why don't we take a break? When we come back, we want to hear more from you. We want to hear your thoughts on this. Why do you believe in the paranormal? Why don't you? Uh, it, are, are we crazy for chasing after this? It, call us. Let us know what you think. 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500, and we will be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast. Turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. All right, believe it. We are back. That's the one night to talk about the paranormal, except when there's a sporting event that keeps us off the air, which will happen quite frequently in March. So we're going to try to work on avoiding that situation by uh, doing some Internet-only streaming. Have to talk to the bosses here at WBSM, but if you would like to... Uh, make sure that uh, we stay on the air during the March Madness tournament, at least in Internet fashion, uh, and that we can go out over the stream while people can listen to the basketball over the um, over the air. Because a lot of people don't realize this. They can't actually carry those those streams, um, the sports streams, over the WBSM.com uh, feed because of the broadcasting rights, and, and they have certain broadcasting packages. And I believe even the NCAA has that, too. So they're not able to broadcast the college games. I may be wrong about that. But if we could get on the stream and be able to put the show out that way and people could listen on their computer, then I think that's a, a good alternative. So just email Pete Braley, Pete at WBSM.com, and uh, we can let him know that we want to keep Spooky South Coast on the air this year. Don't want to have four or five weeks of no-shows uh, because of the basketball games. But we are talking about belief, belief in the paranormal or disbelief in the paranormal, whatever the case may be. Give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Also, you can email us, SpookyCrew, at SpookySouthCoast.com. Feel free to fire off an email uh, right now, and we can read it on the air because we have that technology. It's one of the few technologies that we have here in the Spooky Studio. But we have a wall, so it's good enough for me most nights. It's actually nice out there. It's very mild. Saw somebody on a motorcycle earlier. I'm surprised you weren't, actually. I... Well, you should see my driveway. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. And now all this snow is melting. You don't want to be driving through all those puddles. Resident skeptic. Um, and sometimes, I, I have to be honest, sometimes I, I don't really believe 
what you're saying you believe sometimes. Sometimes okay. I think you're um, being a little too hard-lined about some things. Okay. And I don't know if that's because you're not willing to jump. I, I don't know if you think that believing in one thing means you have to jump in with both feet to everything. I think it's just because I need a – me, myself, I need a lot of proof. You need a lot of proof. Uh, I'm guessing. What is proof? Uh, something right in front of me, I guess. Reaching out and grabbing at me. Grabbing at you. You've seen it happen to other people's right in front of you. Nothing to me, though. Yeah, true. So, true. It's also because I don't stay out. So. <laughs> yeah, true. You're usually home by the time the activity but picks up. I, I have to give Matt credit where credit is due here. He at least does get out and tries which is a lot better than a lot of these other skeptics. Not saying that, you know, all of them are like that. A vast majority will just sit there in their own, you know, easy chair and spout from, you know, the hip about things they've never personally investigated. You've been reading Skeptical Inquirer magazine? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, but, you know, when we started the show, you know, you, yeah. you told me then that, you know, you, you have an interest in the paranormal field. Uh, you've definitely done a lot of reading, a lot of research, but that you didn't buy everything hook, line, and sinker. You know, you yeah. you were still very skeptical about it. Have you seen things? Uh, and we've talked about this in the yeah. past, but have you seen things over the course of the last you know three plus years now that have kind of at least swayed you into thinking there might be something here? Well, I mean, there's a lot of things that uh, I mean Matt Moniz brings to the table and things like that, things like that that raise a lot of questions. But it, I mean. Uh, do you think it's worthwhile to keep looking? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. I'll still go out when I can and things like that. Yeah. But watching something happen to me or watching something happen to me enough for you, I mean, are you... Other than the entertainment value? <laughs> sure, there's that. But, I mean, are you... Can you put your complete faith and complete belief into another person uh, to say that if they say that it's happening, that it must be happening? Or do you just... Is there just way too much of that human element of, of their perception of things? I think it's the human uh, element that kind of taints the evidence, I guess. So I don't know. Because it's, it's interesting because that brings up uh, one idea that I always think really factors into this, and is that how much of this activity is actually happening and how much of this activity are we creating somehow? Are we creating it through our own body's electromagnetic field or through our own perceptions? You know, it, it's it's very easy to cause mass hysteria. I mean, that's... No, it, it really is very easy to cause mass hysteria. Listen to Coast to Coast when they talk about 2012. And then listen to the phone calls that come after it. Okay, you just need to have a few little tidbits to get the ball rolling. And no, then... yeah, I mean, you're, you're in a crowded room and you yell, fire. You're going to yeah. start a mass panic, obviously. I mean, I'm not saying you can easily make everybody in the room believe that there's a ghost there, but I'm just, I'm saying that it's easy that once one starts to, then the it's enough for the other one to say, well, I thought there might have been, but, you know, now I think that it's more likely that there is because this person next to me said they've got it too. Hmm. So, uh, you know, to me, I don't know, it, I'm not going to just start buying something because everybody in the room is. I'm pretty positive about that, about myself, uh, mainly because you know, I deal with a lot of people that I don't believe things that they say most of the time because they are liars. <laughs> How many people do we encounter in our day job that are just full of crap all the time? <laughs> so, uh, and especially, you know, in the sports world, covering athletes, you know, I got to listen to them say all kinds of stuff. 
You know, oh, you know, I really respect that guy. I really respect that guy over there in that other locker room. I think he's a great, great player, and you know, he played really hard. No, what you really are saying is he's a jerk. He acts like a jerk on the court. He gets all the calls. And, and I'm, I'm sorry. Am I, am I talking about Kobe Bryant again? <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you can kind of pick up on when people are are, are BSing you. You get that BS radar. Especially you, Matt Moni, he's talking to you know so many witnesses to things all the time. People who have been, you know, uh, witnesses to UFOs. People who have been uh, witnesses to all of the things. Yeah, you get to learn to read the body language. The you listen to the voices, timbre and cadence. You can tell when usually when people are trying to spin a story, um, the way that they conduct themselves, where they look, and when they look when they're speaking about things. The subtle little cues will will tell you whether the person is genuine or or not. There's there's one that drives me crazy too. It's it's become kind of the uh the the old wives tale of being able to distinguish a lie. And that's if a person looks you in the eye, you know, they can't look you in the eye and lie. Are you kidding me? Everybody I know that lies looks you right in the eye as they do it. Uh, I'm not gonna say it. <laughs> <laughs> but the, you, you do just you do become kind of a human polygraph when you've talked to so many people about to, so yeah. many things. Yeah. yeah, I mean, even myself. I mean, I haven't talked to people about this stuff nearly as much as you have. But even I can pick up on when I think people are well. Are, you're embellishing. To, you're trained to do it. You're a journalist. You're you're trained to listen to people and take apart the way they speak and what they're talking about and put it together. You know, with your own interpretation of what you think is legit and what you think isn't. Oh, it's it's usually a good tool to be able to take what they said and, and be able to craft it to what it is you're trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> Which has, has that's also part of the interview process too, and, and you'll notice that um, in the paranormal field, it's it's something that journalists have to be aware of, and I think that more and more paranormal investigators need to be aware of when they're questioning. I mean, yes, okay, you take a class. And the paranormal, uh, how, how to conduct an investigation, say, and and somebody from a, an established group teaches you, well, you have to have an interview process. And here's the kind of questions you want to ask. But they don't tell you how to ask that question. Right. They just tell you you need to find out what kind of medications they're on. You need to find out what kind of you know, p- you know, mental history in the family, all that kind of stuff. But you have to understand that the questions you ask shape the answers that you're given. Right. And... If I go into a story, say I want to write a story about an athlete uh, whose, you know, daughter uh, failed her math test, you know, that day, and and that's what kind of shaped his game. And I'll ask questions to that effect. I won't go in there and say, well, you know, was there something that went on in your life today that, and this is a really poor example. It's just the first thing that popped in my head. You know, you, you had a really bad game today. Is there a reason why you're off? You know, no. What you would go in is you would go in and say. Well, your daughter got an F. How did that affect your performance? And then you'll get them to, to use that to kind of generate their answer, and then that fits it into the idea that I want to write a column that this person's daughter got an F today and that threw his whole game off. Mm. That's just kind of the way that it works. you got to kind of be wary of that because that ends up making you too much of the story. And with paranormal investigation, where that kind of comes into play is when you ask those questions – you have to ask them from a clear-cut, as you were saying earlier, non-belief or pro-belief point of view. It has to be totally up the middle objective because it only takes one or two words and how you phrase that question to make it sound like, okay, so there was a ghost here. Tell me what ver- – right. you're full of crap. Tell me what verifies right. that. 
Which you, generally in paranormal investigation, the best way to deal with these questions is in a neutral manner. You want the person who had the experience to express it in their own words, in their own way. And then you can go back and validate their story by asking the questions again. A lot of times in the means of trying to misdirect and see if they'll correct you back into what their story is to corroborate. And that's a part of the key, too. And if you watch these paranormal programs, some of them just drive me crazy. And I'm not going to name any names, but some of them, when I see the way that they question people, I just want to grab them and shake them and say, how can you ask that question that way? And to the, the people involved in the production of the show, how can you let them ask that question that way? Because that's just poor interviewing skills, period. And, and that's when they go in there and they'll say, they'll do this. I'll, I'll be the interviewer, Matt. You be the person that had an experience. So uh, tell us about the the uh, the ghost that you saw. Uh, the ghost that I saw was uh, was almost see through, and it, it scared me. But but you couldn't see its legs, right? There was no legs. No, I, I couldn't see the legs. Uh, the only thing I could see was the top half of the body. What about the eyes, though? Was there anything about the eyes that you could make out? No, I couldn't see the eyes. Hey, and what about they were hollow? Were there any like sounds accompanying it, like any kind it of groaning sound, sounds? It so, yeah, it sounded like somebody was moaning. What about like any kind of smells? Maybe like a rotten meat smell, or uh, it smelled like rotten garbage in you know that's been sitting for a week. Yeah, that's called feeding. Yeah. That's what you're doing. You're feeding them, you know what it is that you want them to say. You're helping them build, and and even if they had a genuine experience, right? People are going to want to embellish because they're naturally thinking that just having the experience alone, you're not going to believe what it is that they're telling you. You know, if, if if most paranormal occurrences in your home, say, are a fleeting little something going by your eye, you're so afraid somebody's going to dismiss that, that you're willing to kind of say, okay, maybe I did see the eyes. Maybe I did have it. This is what I was just about to bring up to you. Most cases, now you've had these experiences as have I, they're very fleeting. They're only, they're instantaneous in most cases. There's not a lot of time to grab a lot of detail. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can... Piece things together, you know, in hindsight, but it's it's limited. But I mean, anything more than what you got in those few instances, the rest of it is just you trying to, you know, make interpretations of it. And you can be flawed the more you try and sit there and think about it. You know what I mean? It's yeah, you know exactly what I mean. Well, let us know what you think. Give us a call five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred five zero eight two nine one zero five hundred. Email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. Maybe you think we're full of crap coming in here every week and talking about this. I know there's a number of people out there who listen to this program, uh, both on the radio and on the live stream, uh, and a number of people listen to it just because they have WBSM on on their radio all day. You know, they, they love this station. There's lots of great programs on this station. They have it on maybe sometimes as background noise in the workshop while they're tinkering with stuff or, you know, in the kitchen while they're it's doing a puzzle. Wor- or it's on at work and the poor workers don't have a chance to get in to change the station because it's in the boss's office sure. and it's locked. There's, you and know, they're stuck listening to us. <laughs> There's a number of different reasons why people listen to the show, and I know that they have point of views, and I know that they have perspectives on this, and they need to chime in and let us know. Even if you don't believe in this, if you think that we're full of crap, but at least you find us entertaining, you know, call us. Question us on these beliefs. That's what's good about That's what's healthy. Uh, when it comes to talking about this subject matter, uh, I think that if you, if we come on every week and we tell you everything that there is that we believe about the paranormal and you listen every week, problem there. There's something wrong there. You know, we're, you're, you're sheep 
and we're just feeding you whatever it is that we want to feed you, and you're you're just taking it and regurgitating it, and that's not healthy. That doesn't further the the paranormal any. Uh, I, I think that you really need to have your own perspective, and you need to make that known. So feel free to do that. But you know, talking about the idea of leading people in these questions with what you ask them, and and basically you're allowing them to to build up, you know, to build up that story, to build up that experience, and you're going to spend, you're going to waste your own time, you know, basically chasing after what sounds like the greatest ghost report you've ever heard that really started off as something in the corner of somebody's eye. Right. And, and you're, you're doing yourself a disservice as, as well as the client or the person who's, you know, giving you the interview. It also works in reverse, too. You can ask a minimalist of questions and not get all of the detail you could, which would lead to more information to help better understand, too. Well, so, you know, there's books out that, there. Yeah. That, 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 or there's training courses even, you know, for people who want to learn how to be better interviewers. It's part of what you go through when you go to journalism school, which I did not, but, I mean, I have kind of got thrown into it and learned along the way. There's also law enforcement interviewing and interrogation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and they're going to – law enforcement's like key. They're probably the best investigators that are involved in the paranormal field when it comes to the direct questioning of, right. of a witness because – they're trained how to yeah. get that in the most objective manner. And, you know, yourself as a scientist, even even that, is as good as that approach is and as well as that works for you, it's not as deep as some of the training that they've had in the questions in, in law enforcement. Usually when uh, on serious cases, I try and get a professional officer to um that's a great, great approach. Because not only, not only do they have that deeper intuitiveness and, and investigative skill, but the trauma aspect of it, of being able to get that information right. even when somebody doesn't want to talk about it. So, because remember, snitches get stitches. <laughs> All right, well, you got a call here. Let's go to the phone lines. And if you'd like to call in, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. And good evening. You are on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are you doing, guys? Oh, we're spooktacular. Spooktacular. That's awesome. Uh, this is uh, Dave Francis. I met you guys a couple of years ago at the Parax yeah. conference. Yeah, that was that uh, we had a great time. Yep, um, they're listening to the show pretty regular. I love you guys, and I kind of hope that you can kick that uh, that basketball out of this so we can get some more shows in. <laughs> well, thank you. From from your lips to Pete's ears. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, li- listen to me, Pete. So, I mean, you must uh, encounter that same question quite a bit, uh, you know, being a, a researcher and an investigator. You must have people ask you all the time, why do you keep doing it? And, and it's funny because you get the people that look at you and they question you like that, and it's a real serious question. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other people that they ask the question, it's almost like they're humoring you. You know, it's, they're not taking it seriously at all. And I kind of take it all with a grain of salt, you know, the reason I do it is just because I, I had one of those fleeting experiences you spoke of. And, you know, I'm enough to say that I didn't get all the information I needed when the experience happened. Mm-hmm. You know, it kept me questioning it for years and years and years. And, you know, now when I actually go about sitting down and talking with people, and I like the way that you guys just did it with the, you know, how you can lead people and everything else. And I've seen that happen. Yeah, we we, too, we have too, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um it's so easy to, um, to to watch people, and I've had it happen on cases where, you know, the, the people, it, the, the more fantastic it sounds, I think, they, you know, you just kind of get, um, I, I don't know, frustrated. I think a lot of it is the mainstream media influence on people where they're kind of, 
well, trying to wrap up their own package in with what they see on TV and what they read in books and everything else. They want every every experience they have to be worthy of an episode of Ghost Hunters. They, exactly. They're also looking for sound bites. They're not looking for the yep. story. They're looking for a little snippet that they can take, edit, and put in and, you know, use as filler. And that's not, you know, and when you have somebody in an investigation, that's what they're trying to give you. They don't understand, well, that's what they ask on tap, so I thought that's yeah. what you wanted. Well, it doesn't really kind of work that way, you know. In actual yeah, investigations. Yeah, we, we need a little right. bit more <laughs> than that. But, uh, I mean, what you're saying is, is, is certainly... The, the case, it sounds almost like you, you can almost become jaded when, you know, something that you've done for so long has become kind of tainted, as you said, by, you know, what's been going on in the media. Do you find, though, that does that make you want to go out and do things your way more? Or does that make you want to take a step back and say, hey, maybe it's maybe for a few years or until this craze dies down a little bit, maybe I should take a step back because it's going nowhere? Exactly, yeah, more or less take a step back. And what I like to do is I talk to people who have a lot of experience doing this. And I kind of um, stay away from a lot of the groups that are just kind of overnight, you know, they, they, they fill up a website, they're there for a few months, and then they're gone. And I, I really focus on the people that have been doing this. And if I have a question, I shoot stuff by them. And... Um, I, I really try to explain to the people that I'm working for, you know, it's, it's really kind of a science because we have to start from what happened with you and examine that before we can come in and assume that there's anything going on. Mm -hmm. And the, one of the first things I explain to them is it's not like television. We're not going to come in here and you're not going to see us ooing and eyeing and jumping around and everything else. It might happen, but more than likely it might not. There's a whole process that's involved, and, it, you know, Matt, and I know that you can both attest to this, that you're going to go in, you have your strategy and everything else that you have set forth, and as long as you can stay honest with the client and let them know that that's what you're trying to do, most of them are very receptive to that. Yes. I, I think part of the, the issue is, you know, you have a lot of people who are having genuine problems and, and genuine experiences that might get turned off by that TV side of things. And it makes them kind of, they, they expect you to come in and be looking to basically film a television show based on their experience. And, and that's the, the really unspoken negative side of things. You know, we, we, we can talk all we want about all these groups popping up and all these, you know, what we call the MySpace paranormal groups or these, you know, everybody that's got a, some sort of TV deal or some sort of documentary deal and, and, uh, but that's eventually going to fall by the wayside. You know, the cream will rise to the top in that regard, and all these people that are just fly-by-night operations will prove to be just that. But how much is the long-term damage going to be uh, to people being able to come forward and share their experiences and open their doors up to real investigators, genuine investigators, who are at this well before and will be at, the, or at it well after? Well, that's a good point. I mean, we're at the cusp of that right now where, if we can let people know that there's people that are going to take this seriously, you know, we're not going to laugh at you, we're not going to make fun of whatever's going on, we're not going to broadcast it or turn everything you're telling us around and make it look like something else. That's the point that we're at. As long as people are sincere and they're strong in what they're doing, you know, that, that's going to, it, it's going to get out there. You know, it, that's what needs to be done. You know, and, and I didn't mean to say that it was really negative about the, you know, the MySpaces and stuff like that, because I was one of those guys too that sat around reading books. I was an armchair investigator. I went to seminars the same way. I'm firmly yeah. convinced that a, a number of those 
groups and, and investigators are going to bring things to the table that nobody thought of, and they're, they're going to help further it. But there is, you know, that that pop up of uh, the, you know, and I, I, I a get pop f- culture we, up we, of it. Yeah, we get, and you get it too, Dave. I'm sure we get front requests from them on on the internet, you know, social networking sites all the time, and you know, it's somebody you've never heard of. For the amount of time you've been in the field, or, or Matt Moniz has been in the field, you know you've never heard of these people. You've never heard of any of the cases that they've worked on. These supposedly famous haunts they've done in their in their hometown area, and but all of a sudden they're talking about you know watch us on this, see us on this, buy this book that we wrote. You know, and it's like it's almost like the product was the impetus for the group to be formed instead of the other way around. You know, people think that. TAPS was formed for ghost hunters, and it's not the case. No, they were formed uh, almost 18 years ago. I, I started a group 20-something years ago. And the big thing that I noticed as different today than there, there is now is back then when we were doing investigations, the people didn't want any publicity. That, if the, yeah. that was the main thing. You can't tell anybody that, you know, you're doing this and, in and my house, you know. You as a group, and, and Dave, I know you've been at it for a while, so you, you probably experienced this, you know, before this, this big huge boom where, you know, you almost wanted to be able to have somebody come forward and stand up and say, yes, they came to my house, they did an investigation, they helped me with what was going on because you needed that kind of word of mouth to help you get more cases. You know, it's not like now where you can just, you know, open up your door, throw a rock, and hit somebody that's got a ghost in their house. Exactly, yeah. And I, 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 that's one of the things I explain. I'll sit down, and we're you're talking over everything, and I go, and, you know, I just want to make sure that we're, I'm going to have you to sign this disclosure. And, oh, no problem. You can, you know, call in whoever you want. And when we were first doing it, it was really kind of a, you know, like you said, hush-hush. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the, the the sports world has. <laughs> yeah, can you come around yeah, back? Don't and, don't, yeah. don't drive the van with the logo on the side. You know, the big Ghostbuster <laughs> logo on the side. But there's a saying in the sports world, Dave. You know, don't hate the player, hate the game, and that's kind of what the paranormal community has become. Almost, it's you can't really get upset at who the people are that are getting involved in it. And if they get involved in it because of a TV show, hey, great. You know, that's there's still a reason why they felt that they could, you know, contribute something to the field. But when it gets to the point where it's diluting things and where there's bad groups out there that are making a bad name for the field in general, then it starts to get a problem. I mean, we I, I find out about a group that just exists today, and, and they're you know pushing when their, their show is going to debut. And they've already got the headshots. Uh, they've got, if you go to their website, they've got all their headshots up. They've got all their modeling pictures up. You know, they've got all this stuff, but they don't have any investigation photos. They don't have any case files. You know, and I understand if things are, are private, but maybe if you're trying to sell yourself as a group to the public in general, you need to have a couple of public cases that you've done to let them know what your work is. You know, find a local historical haunt where they, you know, they appreciate a $50 donation for you to come in for the night and check it out and kind of build yourself a, a reputation that way in case you can't, you know, broadcast the private investigations that you do for people. But you've got to be weary, Dave, when you see some of these groups out there that are uh, they're, they're showing you, uh, you know, a couple of orb pictures and then a headshot. The orb pictures don't bother me as much. I saw one group that had the, the para girls in their bikinis, you know, and can come. Well, we call that. With us and the para girls at the cemetery next week. We call that. I'll investigate up. with them. Yeah. Oh, I have no. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, you know, everybody's going to have their, their, their angle, their, their something or other to make it interesting to have that hook. But if it starts to get to the point where it becomes a mockery of what it is that you're doing in the first place, you know, the show of one television show that's in the works, 
where um, – how can I put – I don't want to give too much away because it's not something that – they're going to come on the show later and talk about it at some point. Uh, but, you know, you've got a really, really beautiful woman who is just model gorgeous, uh, and I believe she's, you know, an actress and a model. I'm not really sure of her, her total background, but, you know, and she is just outstanding. She mm. is just a, a, a wonderful person. She's the whole package. She's When you look at her, you're like, that's the kind of person that you can sell a TV show based on. And – She's going to be part of this this paranormal reality television show that's coming out soon. It, it's going to be partially reality, partially fictionalized. You know, it's going to be kind of like that Curb Your Enthusiasm, draw the line. You don't know where the script is and where it ends. But at the same time, though, this is somebody who has been reading nonstop about the subject for 20 years. And she's not, she's not much older than that. You know, and this is, this is a case where, you know, you have that marketable package, but the, the substance is behind it. And I just think that too much of what. Yeah, yeah, you, you can see it quite a bit. And unfortunately, I think that some of the credibility gets washed away with a lot of that too. And I was trying to explain this to somebody the other day. Someone was asking why the scientific community doesn't take a lot of it seriously, and I said, "Well, you don't see your string theorists and everybody else out there with uh, poster girls." That's true. You know, and everything else. Um, and at some point, it, it comes down to just kind of. Doing what you're supposed to do, following the right rules, and presenting yourself in the right way. I'm waiting for the uh, the Science Channel to debut the new reality show, Quark Hunters. <laughs> 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 you know, that, that's when you know that uh, uh, even science is bowed down to the pressure of the mass media. Another reality show? <laughs> you could be on that one, too. Well, we, well, I was just thinking of one of our former guests that we had. She would go nuts. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. Another, another reality show, Lindsay, oh, geez, yeah. Lindsay Malone. Yeah. So, well, Dave, thank you for for calling in and checking in, and I'm glad that at least you know you, you can keep a good perspective of what's going on because, you know, hey, we all know what it was like. We we all had our our things that we were into, you know, growing up, and you know, everybody like we had that one spot in the in the uh, on the recess field where we like to hang out. And then a couple other kids realized what we were doing, and then a few more kids came, and then a few more kids came, and the next thing you know, it wasn't really the interesting spot to hang out anymore. So then you go find another spot to hang out. You know, and I think we're getting to the point where we're going to be crossing that playground and, and getting to the other side real soon. Yeah. If that's not yeah. too convoluted an analogy for you. Well, thanks a lot, guys. And, oh, one thing I did want to mention, too, sure. is um, I noticed the topic was a fix thing, and I actually kind of enjoy the skeptics out there because they really keep me on my toes. You're going to love the show that we're working on putting together for some time in the spring. We're actually, if everything works out, and we don't want to scare anybody off, but if everything works out, we're going to find one of these skeptical podcasts, one that we really think is like a good, outstanding, you know, not the, not the closed-minded people that just refuse to believe anything, but people who are willing to, to listen to the other side and debate the other side. And we're going to bring them on for an actual all-out debate Spooky South Coast versus, you know, the Skeptical Podcast. We're going to go back and forth and, and, and really, I think, maybe come to blows. But, <laughs> but I, I, I think, and that's something that needs, I'm not trying to say that, you know, we're going to, you know, cause a big ripple of change here, but that's something that needs to happen. You know, they need to get into the same room. They need to fight it out. They need to do it in a civilized manner because instead all, all they're doing is, is they're basically just dismissing each other's presence. You know, all these ghost hunters want to say, oh, screw the skeptics. And all the skeptics want to say, eh, screw the ghost hunters. And, and there's not enough of that fluidity between the two. And what they don't realize is that they're both essentially doing the same job if they're doing it right. Exactly. 
Exactly, yes. All right. Well, thank you, Dave, for joining us, and we're right up against the news, so we will talk to you again real soon. All right. Take care, guys. Have a good night. Have a good one, Dave. And, of course, we are up against the news, as I said, but if you'd like to join in the discussion following the news break, you can give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Email spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. We can check those emails during the news. When we come back, we'll have the weekend weird as well as a whole lot more about why do you believe or not believe in the paranormal. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast in about six or seven minutes. Spooky South Coast is back. Are you ready? I am ready. I am always ready. I have been ready. I am ready. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen. Welcome back. Hour number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, and science advisor, Matt Moniz. And you know, guys, I was, I was telling you guys this off the air, but uh, I finally had my, my my happy moment yesterday. I bought a PlayStation 3, finally, after two Yay. years of saving up gift cards and birthday checks and everything. You know, I sound like I'm like a 17-year-old kid. <laughs> I saved up all my birthday money and I bought a PlayStation. But uh, is that do seventeen year old kids sound like that or just Willie? All right, they just Willie. Just Willie. <laughs> so I, uh, I I bought a bought a PlayStation three and I create my little avatar there for the PlayStation Home uh, community and uh, my name is Spooky Tim, which is a, a name that I use frequently on the internet. It's my my internet alternate ego. So I create this Spooky Tim avatar character guy and I have him walking around. I'm going into the bowling alley and I'm you know talking to people out in the, the courtyard and everything and. Basically, I don't know what I'm doing. So pretty much the entire PlayStation 3 world right now thinks that Spooky Tim is a giant <laughs> D-bag, essentially. <laughs> like, you know, they, they're like, what is this guy's problem? All I know is he keeps bumping into me, knocking me over, and then he stops for a second and starts dancing the robot. <laughs> so <laughs> if you happen to run into Spooky Tim out there, and I don't know, like, you know, how I don't know if every person in the world is all in that bowling alley at one time or something, or if, <laughs> like there's a hundred different bowling alleys and like a certain number of people. I don't know how it all works, but if you happen to run into Spooky Tim on the PlayStation Home community, which is not going to happen very often because I'm not going to play on that that much, but if you happen to and he's a jerk, just take it with a grain of salt. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and God forbid I have to type on the controller. What is with that? Why, why am I, I – I always swore in my life I would never be one of these people that's bypassed by technology. I always said, you know, I'm going to be up to date on everything because I love technology. I love cool stuff, and I'm always going to try to be on the fore, forefront of things. Uh, but the one thing that's really the, – the typing with your thumbs thing, I'm just not getting it. Maybe because my thumbs move like I'm a you know rhesus monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Semi-opposable. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> 
Not only that, but they're also they're they're about as wide as four postage stamps. So you know, it's just <laughs> it's, I'm not really built for the texting world. I, I you know they really are only semi opposable. You know this. So uh, I, typing with a button is just not gonna not gonna do it for me. So, but uh, so there there you go. Spooky Tim, D bag of the PlayStation Three world. All right, but I will I will take on anybody in uh, in games. So eventually. Totally, totally blows my mind that you can do this. Like uh, a, a coworker of ours, uh, Brendan and I, Matt, were saying today that we're gonna f- figure out however it is that you can throw a punch in that PlayStation home, and then we're gonna form a gang. <laughs> <laughs> because this is what we do. We can't just get along with people. All right. What's What's next? They're gonna have online PlayStation Home ghost groups that hunt down the ghosts. Because I notice when you walk around, all the people are see through. So maybe they're oh. ghosts. Oh boy, do I digress this time. That's weird. I do that. Do it up. All right. If you would like to have representation in the paranormal field, if you have a book that you need to get out there or a DVD project or just something that you want to promote that you just can't seem to find the right way to get the word out there, that's what Power Relations is for. Myself and Chris Balzano, it's our new company, and it's, uh, it's, it's, all, <laughs> it's all the rage on the Who Forded blog. They, they love <laughs> yeah. us on the Who Forded blog, which if you're not familiar with, you got to check it out. It's great. I love the fact that there are quote-unquote watchdogs in the paranormal community, they're going to make sure that when things start to get out of control, they bring it to our attention. Some of them are more like seeing eye dogs. But. Yeah, well, <laughs> the Who Forded blog, at the very least, is great entertainment. It is, uh, it's very funny, their take on things, and it's, uh, of course, Who Forded based on the idea of Charles Fort. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> they've got that classic picture of him, you know, from the front of the Book of the Damned with his, you know, sitting there with his hand on his cheek, and he's got that, you know, look on his face like, what the hell has happened? And, and basically, that's uh, exactly what it is, and, and Matt brought it up here. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> oh, yes, Brian Harnois and Technical Difficulties. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, if you go on the Who Forda blog, there is a little section about power relations, and we thank them so much for the plug because uh, that's driven a lot of traffic to our website. Thank you so much for that. And uh, we will try to make sure that we live up to your skepticism and, and uh, that we make sure that we don't uh, you know, give you any reason to doubt our sincerity. I understand where they're coming from, though. If somebody starts saying, "Hey, we're here to push you in the paranormal field," you know, we're, we're not just going to take everybody. You know, not, not everybody that that has something they want to push is going to end up on there. Matt Moniz, can we do this? I'm talking to Kristen all week, and and I've been trying to get a hold of her, and she's really busy with a lot of different events. Kristen Gartland from Taps, and she's got so many things going on, like every weekend. And I said, you know, can you come on the show? And she she wants to come on. We want to have her on. We love her. She's a great guest. Uh, but she doesn't want to address this controversy, and I understand why. She doesn't want to give it any more attention because it's 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 hooey. But Matt Moniz, you were there. You are uh, pictured in one of the photos. Oh yeah, that's all. For those who are not what happened, this is how it's being presented out there on the internet. Is is there were some photos that came, uh, basically a slideshow has been put together on YouTube and passed around the internet here where the gist of what they're trying to say is that uh, at this event, Kristen got drunk, decided to take off her underwear and place it on people's heads and give them to Matt Moniz, and he's trying them on. And uh, basically, you know, she, she got tanked, and her underwear made the rounds of the room. That's what they're trying to say happened. And they're trying to say that this is how TAPS conducts themselves at TAPSCon, and this is what you're paying, whatever you were paying for a ticket to see. First of all, 
Matt Moniz, you were there. You yes. were a, a presenter. You were. I also I know the person that took the photographs. I know who they who they uh, whose website they got them from. So give us the true inside the story real, of what happened. The real story of what happened. Okay, the way the pictures were taken. It, you know, and if you're talking about the slideshow, it starts off with uh, Kristen holding up a bottle of uh, 1800 Jose Cuervo. Okay, what the other pictures that they didn't put up with that. Shows the gift basket that came to the um, the room. It was a presidential suite in the building, mm-hmm. and that was one of the gifts. It was a bottle of Jose Cuervo. They didn't show the, her holding up the chocolate cheesecake or the fruit basket, and you, you know what I'm saying. It was well, a, they they might have had those photos. Well, there, the but photos person chose to right, ignore those. those. But took that one particular photo of her holding up the bottle of the Jose Cuervo, you know, and then decided to make a set of stories out of several other photos. Uh, the photograph of her supposedly taking off the underwear is actually, it's in reverse. She's putting the pair on. The pair was a uh, clean, unused underwear from a band called Examining Emma, one of the bands that was playing at the event. Mm-hmm. They were going around handing them out at, at, at the, um, in the presidential suite during the private party. You yeah, know, private party. Private the regular party. guests of TaxCon right. were not, not part it, of this. Right. This was strictly the help and organizers bash before the event started, okay, before any guests arrived, mm-hmm. okay, um, as well as some of the vendors and the bands, obviously. But uh, the band handed around a bunch of these underwears, and, and there are several other people that took pictures with them on. It was a, a gimmick for the band. But they weren't on TV. No. No, the band wasn't on TV. No, no, I mean the people, the other people who had the underwear on, you know, they weren't television people. Right. They, they didn't the, have a ghost hunting show on Sci-Fi right. Channel, so therefore they or weren't a radio, Or a ghost hunting radio show or anything like that. So w- what ends up happening basically is it's exactly like we were talking about in the first hour when you, you shape questions to try to tell the story that you're trying to tell. Right. This person took, and let's look at this as if it was, you know, a, 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 an investigation. You know, they took the evidence that was out there, they used it the way they wanted to use it to shape the story that they right. wanted to tell. Right. And that's what happened. And this person who's been called out on this numerous times has yet to respond to that. His basic approach is, yeah, well, I just let it stand for what it stands for. No, what you did is you edited in a way that made it not factually correct. Same thing that you are crapping all over taps for, for the way that Ghost Hunters is edited, trying to say that, you know, it's not believable, all this drama right. and happens when you, when you are able to cut things, you can cut what actually happens to the way that you want it to fit a certain dramatic storyline. Right. Uh, like Which I said, exactly the person's person dramatic storylines, you know, she got drunk and everybody got drunk. The crazy part about, you know, the people putting on the underwear, that happened before anybody really started drinking, even though I have a quote-unquote beer in my hand, it was the the first beer of two I had that entire night. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, when we all know you're not a, you don't drink. I generally, as a rule, no. I had a serious problem with it when I was but younger. But you were, and, you, and, know, you know, I was among relaxed friends. Relaxed, and yeah, you knew yeah, you I was in my hotel. Yeah. yeah. So, it, it to me, you know, I just all right. If you want to have reasons to take umbrage with Taps credibility. You know, fine. That's your business. We have our, our we, we, I, I don't think the idea of a paranormal television show is going to be completely credible in terms of investigation anyway because it becomes out of their hands. Once the investigation is over, they don't have any control over how it works. All they can do is they can offer to show us the case files from that case later on and the conclusions they came to. 
And for the most part, TAPS has always been, at least with you, because I know you've asked them for case files on things. Yes. They've been very forthcoming with all that yes. information. Anything I've ever asked for, they've presented me. But, you know, so we, we have no reason to take umbrage with their credibility based on, on that. But to use this and to use the actions, first of all, of one person and to say that that discredits an entire organization it is wrong. You know, right. that's like saying that everybody in the Democratic Party cheats on their wife. Or everybody in the Republican Party's a moron who can't get fired from a job for eight years when they're not doing it right. You know, so it's just, just <laughs> it, it seems to me like, you know, it just, Kristen's a polarizing figure in the paranormal field. She, she's she courts, outspoken. That's why she yes. draws the criticism that she does. And, and I think that this is a chance for somebody to say, oh, well, to, to, to from what put I a little see, chick in her arm. That, that's not getting back. That's bordering slander. That's true. And, and. Most people who have responded and, and with different co comments in different uh, you know places, they all say, "Well, you know, this is what we expected of Taps. Well, this is what we expected of Taps. Why? Because they're human beings. That's what human beings do. They kick back, they relax, they party. Even though, as you said, that wasn't the case really with what's happening. If it was, so what? I, I mean, we were all that adults. Yeah, I that mean. doesn't mean the fact that somebody decided, and this isn't what happened, but the fact if somebody did decide to get drunk and take their underwear off. That doesn't discredit them as a paranormal investigator. I'm sorry to tell you. You want to hear something that's really interesting that happened that night? All of the people that were there that were investigators and supporters of, you know, the paranormal, even though some of them were drinking pretty good, the person that got drunk the most and made the most obnoxious scene was a skeptic. <laughs> I kid you not. Well, Falling down drunk, puking, you know, but you know what the problem was? Is he, he didn't believe he had too much. A, it was actually a she, but okay. She didn't believe she had too much. Right. That was the problem. She believed right. she was fine. But uh, all right, all right. I can, I can give you a case in point. I can give you a very good example of people getting you know bleep-faced in the paranormal field and having it not affect their credibility, and in this case, what little credibility they had to begin with. When we did our Backyard Paranormal Podcast, oh, yeah. okay, you know, here was a night where we weren't on the air due to, what, a sporting event or whatever. You know, we had the opportunity to, to kick back, relax. We did an outdoor show in my backyard with the grill going, some beers in the Cock cooler. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that happens. Uh, you know, we're drinking beers, knocking back shots, smoking cigars, hanging out. And we, I mean, we were dropping F-bombs. We're basically doing every time. It was a great show. It was very entertaining at the very least. But, you know, we opened up. We shared our personal experiences. We, we, we really got to the root of, of some of our beliefs as we are tonight as well. But, you know, we really got personal in that episode. And instead of coming back and biting us in the ass and having people say, well, you know, and we were worried about it. We, when, when, it didn't have a little bit of a minor and it got straightened out and a lot of people were great. No, one person. Yeah. But on the whole, everybody was like, that was really great that you were able to open up and be show that you're human. And once we – but I do remember during the editing process, because it took us a while to edit it, uh, <laughs> mainly because – Especially of, the F-bombs. Well, the length of it and the fact that there was a lot of breaks in it where it was like, okay, let's stop – reset this, do this. You know, there was a lot of time uh, that Put we weren't actually talking. Yeah, putting out the fire. We didn't edit out the fire. We left that in. So, but we were, Matt and I especially, we were talking about it over the course of the couple of days that we were editing and saying, I don't, I don't, we really shouldn't put this up there. First of all, we were way too new on the field, uh, way, way too new on the scene to, to really be able to get away with it, we thought. You know, and we thought it was going to have negative repercussions if people were going to think that we were a joke. We put it up there anyway because we felt this is who we are. 
and people need to know that, and hopefully by seeing this side of us, it'll make them feel a little bit more comfortable with us, and that's exactly what happened. People said to us, wow, you know, you guys are just like us, which why would you think we were any different, but the fact that, you know, we were able to open up and, and show that we're normal people made them say, well, if they're normal people and they believe in it, then I guess it's not so unnormal for me to believe in it. And I think even if that was what happened at Tapscon, which it wasn't, but if it was, so what? Um, the whole point of the place was having a party and getting to know people. I mean, some people drink, some people don't. Some people smoke, some people don't. You know, some people gamble, some people don't. Yeah, I mean, it's all, you know, if you're an adult, your responsibility for your own actions. You know what, too? Anybody that has, you know, the, the watchdog that Who Forded is or, or other sites like that, but, you know, everybody that has a problem with what went on at Tapscon, what you think went on at Tapscon, you know, send me an email. Tell me who you think is the person of the utmost respect and credibility in the paranormal field, and I'll email you back some stories, okay? Oh. I'm not really going to, <laughs> but I'm just saying. There's that possibility that you could do that. I mean, I don't think there's anybody in this field with the exception of we can probably say Bishop Robert McKenna, Father Malachi Martin, just based on the fact that they lead a little bit more pious life than the rest of us. But with the exception of the clergy, I'm pretty sure there's going to be plenty of stories around from anybody. You know what it's like. Well, there's been stories about clergy, too, not saying well, that. There's <laughs> no, anything wrong, but, but, but there's, there's skeletons in everybody's closet, okay? But not even skeletons. I mean... Look, all these conventions happen. All these, you know, uh, Dave does a great job with his events where he gets everybody together. You know, there's all these opportunities for people in the paranormal field to get together, to sit down and spend 10 hours a day talking about furthering the paranormal field in a positive way. And then when they're done with that, they want two hours of kicking back, relaxing, and having fun. And that the, whatever they do in that two hours doesn't negate the 10 hours of positive work that they did, that they did before that. Yeah, I agree. And that's just uh, that's our forty-eight cents worth on that subject. But you, having been there, having been the person, I, yeah, I was there. I, by I, the way, I can definitely say what happened because I was there. By the way, to the to the guy that decided to put this all together and and cause a big controversy about this and make it some big huge thing on YouTube and everywhere else has been passed around. Thanks for keeping the Spooky South Coast T-shirt in. Yeah, a copyrighted trademark. Ah, yeah, yeah, we don't care about that. Yeah, true. You know, he, he blurted your face out, which, you know, he's trying to protect the people that, you know, obviously you don't want to basically protect everybody but Kristen because the fact that she's a quote-unquote public figure makes it okay. Not the case. That's a false That's a false uh, belief right there that because they're a public figure, you can attack them freely. That's not the case at all. But, you know, blurted out your face but left the logo. So thank you for that because now we got all that free publicity all these new listeners that are listening to the show tonight that looked up Spooky South Coast wanted to know what it was all about, we thank you. And you're a moron. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Why don't we uh, – why don't we – what do you want to do? Do you want to take a break, Matt? Do you want to get right into the week and weird? It's up to you. I don't know. How many breaks do we have this hour? This is usually what I write down <laughs> on a note so that we don't have to talk about this stuff on the air. Uh, about three minutes. Three minutes. Okay. Well, why don't we uh, take a one-minute break? When we come back on the other side, we will present to you the week and weird. Then we can – on that second break after that, and then we'll go nonstop all the way till midnight. Give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Email spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com, and we will be right back with more here on We Don't Post Pictures of Ourselves on the Internet in Compromising Situations Ever, Do We? Oh, no, wait. Spooky South Coast. <laughs> Thank you. 
turn on all your lights, lock the doors, and pull down the shades. Spooky South Coast is back. Welcome back to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with science advisor Matt Moniz and the silent assassin Matt Costa. Hey, Matt Costa. Ahoy. What are you doing over there? Getting ready with the old iPod? I am. The old, uh, you, need, you need an upgraded iPod. I think I do. If you're listening Apple. Yeah. <laughs> We've been trying for years for that. It just doesn't work. No. But uh, I was thinking. I think we have to go lower. <laughs> maybe uh, Maybe go to like... Uh, Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> Not that it's... No, don't say that. We have plenty of Zoom listeners that enjoy downloading the show from Zoom Marketplace hey, when Craig. we remember to put the podcast up. They're Shut coming, up. I promise. Shout out to the people at Craig. I have, yes. Craig thank Electronics. Yeah. And, and Craig, the guy who puts our show on the internet, too, because yeah. I haven't been. Uh, you, you really want a Craig? Because I got a couple kicking around. I'm just, just, I'm just saying. I, go to CVS. They go, I don't sell. Use your extra bucks. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I, I I gotta say, uh, no, really, we are behind. And and for those who don't know, look, I'm stuck without a computer. People, <laughs> we're working on it. Working on it. We'll get the shows up there. There we go. It's somebody to call up and complain about the podcast. Or get a free. Or it could be Apple. Steve, is that you? Steve Jobs, is that you? Good evening. Welcome to Spooky South Coast. How are you? Oh, fine. Thank you. Um, do you have a uh, guest? Uh, do you have a guest or? Um, no, we're actually kind of just kicking things around tonight. Oh, okay. Um, last time I called, I had had a, uh, I had had an accident, and you had a, uh, I believe you had some, um, a meteor of some kind. Of, mm-hmm. And, um, are you planning on having him back again? Oh, absolutely. Rick Hayes, you're speaking of. Yes. Yeah, so we'll definitely have Rick on. We've, uh. We've had him on quite a few times in the past, and, and he's one of our favorites. He's one of the few mediums that, you know, I've actually had tell me things that I, I, I believe and he couldn't have known and has really kind of verified his gifts for me. So we we definitely uh, believe in what Rick does, and we will have him back frequently. Well, um, there is a situation in, uh, in, in the neighborhood here, and uh, I won't get into names or anything like that, okay. that I found... Uh, Kind of strange, and the person's very, very reliable and very dependable. I've known her all my life, and she proceeded to come in one day, and she started telling me the different various things that happened, and in in her in the house. And it seems like that if you're if you've had an old house and you uh, undergo restorations, it just um, Spirits or whatever, and it, it seems like it's been causing a few problems. Well, that's and to the point that um, she doesn't even go home at night, and wow. she's act- she's actually left 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 the home. Well, that that is a frequent report, as Matt Moniz can tell you. You know, whenever whenever renovation work is done. That seems to draw the spirits out. Matt, I know you have some theories as to why that's the case. Uh, what it is is they're used to the way things were, and what you've done is upset the uh, status quo, and they're making their displeasure known. What's the address? I'll be right over. <laughs> <laughs> he will, too. <laughs> well, the whole thing here is it, it, is, been, uh, it, ha- it is under investigation, and uh, she has taken all the, all the steps under- that one, one does. Supposed to do, 
and I'm not at liberty, and I wouldn't I wouldn't do sure, that no, to her. No, yeah. no. But where I live, right next to it, I'm just wondering if I'm um, what what I could do to prevent it coming from here or well. Um, well, you want you want to you want to protect yourself from from having it come into your home, right? It has put a damper because I used to visit and I used to. I am concerned, uh, very very concerned well, about her uh, well-being. And the irony here is, um, when she was telling me these things, um, shortly after, she brought a picture over. And uh, it seems like her sister went into the room and took pictures and asked the powers that be to come out to reveal themselves. And she put the picture on the computer, and there was the faces. Hmm. And she brought me the picture, and I saw the face. And I said, oh, this, there can be no nothing going on. Now I let that go. Uh, shortly... After Christmas, um, with all this cold weather, I was out, I came home. I saw the fire department. I saw uh, police, fire apparatus, and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And the pipes froze. So I said, well, what did you do? Did you have, did you have the heat off? Or? She had her heat on 60, 68, 70. The house was warm. And the pipes, they bust. And hot, you could, you could see the steam coming up from the carpet. And it just had that eerie, eerie, eerie feeling. And I'm not one of these people that feed into stuff like that. Sure enough. Because I've been putting on it, uh, paying on mindless, not being the, the greatest neighbor that I could be, knowing the person, and I've known her for so many years. And uh, then I said, yeah, I said, well, right or wrong, on top of everything, this is just horrible. And the place is just loaded. It was just, well, it, it, too many events, too many things, and tons of witnesses, the people that have heard the, the footsteps, people that have heard the voices, people that have seen things. And, uh, wow, they can really drive you out of your home. Well, but, I mean, nobody's been hurt. Right? Nobody's been hurt. No, no, and, no, no. And and it's not, you know, it's not like it's dangerous. Uh, they're just they're letting themselves know. And there's a good possibility that when the renovation work is over, you know, when they become used to the way things are now, they'll kind of subside back a little bit. Or if somebody's willing to pay attention to them and and you know let them know that somebody's there and listening, then they might stay out and they're not going to be as uh, demonstrative as they might be now, but it's it'll be easier to, to live alongside. Right. Them. Well, the powers that will do did, uh, did a little investigation and found out that um, it used to be a um, somewhat of a, a funeral. The home used to be a where they would they used to be a funeral power. Sure, yeah. May I ask at least what town this is in? This is in New Bedford. In New Bedford. Mm-hmm. Now, if, if you're worried about protecting yourself and making sure that, you know, it doesn't come into your home, well, I mean, I, I will say chances are slim if they're being that reactive to what's being done to their property, they're pretty invested in that property. Uh, but if you do want to make sure that you, you want to protect yourself, there's a number of stores around here um, if, without giving yeah. plugs, but if you go to Crystal Expectations in New Bedford or the Sea Witch in Fairhaven, there are metaphysical shops in the area 
where if you speak to a clerk there, they have different protective stones that you can put in your house and different oils and, and all different things you can use in that regard. Or you can Good old-fashioned... Yeah, salt, one, yep. of the, one of the mainstays that people used to use, you know, ring of salt around your house if you wanted to do that. That oh, goes that, back, that's that, fascinating. That, that actually goes back, you know, millennia, you know, back to early pagan beliefs and is actually used in modern-day stuff today. Now, you have a group that's investigating the house, and uh, – do you want to mention the group, or do you want to keep that quiet? Or? Um, I don't know that much about it as far as oh, that yeah. goes. Are um, they an experienced group? Or well, that's what I was going to say. Maybe you could at, talk to the group that's investigating and ask them what their input would be for your location. But yeah, to make sure I know she's yourself. very she's very pleased with the work that they've done. Okay, there uh, are there are many great groups in this area, and unfortunately, people just don't know that they're out there because yeah. they're not, you know, getting publicity. I was going to say, chances are we know them. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that there's a lot going on, that, but people are just afraid to, I think, you know, at the risk of being, you know, mocked or ridiculed or anything. Do, do, do you find that to be the case? Absolutely. Well, you also find it to be less the case now, though. It's starting well, to become more accepted. That it's, it's in the mainstream media more. It's in people's thoughts and consciousness more. But, I mean, in this area, we like to think that, you know, the, the existence of this program is at least a chance for people on a Saturday night to kind of call in anonymously if they want and, and share their stories and, and have their questions answered. And I, I like to think that we're at least making a dent in people being able to talk about this stuff in their lives, you know, more than just two hours on a Saturday night. Well, the medium that you had was, and I, I'm, and I don't know his name because you just said it. Rick Hayes? Who, yeah. uh, yes, who read me. He read me to a T. I didn't mention anything who I had in my home or anything about He said I had candles, which I did. He said there were two gentlemen in your your collar, and then there were. And it was like, wow. And uh, I explained to him my injury, and he hit that right on the button. So I enjoy your program very much, and I'm going to listen. Well, thank you, and we will be having him back. Uh, we try to bring him on every few months because uh, the listeners really like getting a chance oh, to talk to him. Oh, I enjoy him immensely, especially when he and he everything just, right on the button. And he's got such a good approach to things. I mean, he's he has a very spiritual belief. He, you know, he's uh, he, he's very religious in his own in his own way. But at the same time, he doesn't really push that on people when he's doing the readings. Uh, and, and he just seems to have a good balance. And even if he wasn't really that accurate, even if he wasn't having, you know, the success rate that he has, I think the way that he goes about things truly does help people come to terms with what it is they have questions about. Yeah, very gracefully, that's for sure. Well, right. I'm enjoying your program. And thank, thank you for hearing much. me out. Any more help? I mean, I know you said she's happy with the group she has, but, you know, should she require any more assistance, she can get a hold of us through our website or she can give us a call here on the studio on a Saturday night. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay. Have a good night. If you would like to get in before the end of the program, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Also email us, spookycrew at spookysouthcoast.com. And you remember, Matt Costa, we talked with uh, the gentleman, Ron, who called last week from Lakeville and talked with us about some of the photos he got. Over the course of the week, he sent me uh, a few of those photos, and he's got some interesting stuff. I talked with Matt Moniz. We do plan on getting out there at some point to try and and check things out. And I had said to Ron, you know, we kind of want to go out there when it gets a little bit warmer. Yeah. And he, he was like, well, the cold, they're, they're actually very active when it's cold out, too. So 
Might have to get an extra sweater on that and go out there at some point. Problem is, it's hard to take pictures when he gets a lot yeah. of like mists and 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 you know, I guess I don't want to say ectoplasm, but he gets like kind of you know the the formation of an of an apparition, and it's hard to get that when you're in the cold weather and and be totally sure that that's what it is. Well, I've got one good photograph that came from. Uh our friends in the Kushnet recently, along with a couple of genuine orbs. Uh, activity's been increasing in, in that house, and uh, that's where Andy and I have been the past couple of weekends here documenting some stuff. Good thing for you, they like you. The people, not the ghosts. Well, no, the ghosts like me, too. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, the, the people are the ones that have to let you in the door. Right, true. You know, uh, Katie and John have been phenomenal at uh, letting people into this place. You know, at least us and uh, select a few others. But so I'm just waiting to know when they're going to, you know, buy a, a mobile home, put it in the backyard, move into that, and open up the front of it as a paranormal training center. Because, yeah, myself, but from what I've heard, you could really teach people the basics as it's Chris a, did with his DVD. Yeah, I mean, the, that's part of the picture yourself ghost hunting. There's a lot of it focused in that in that house. I and know. it is, a. I mean, it usually never disappoints with something. Now, talking about... Ectoplasm on the second floor. The uh, the resident there caught actual like mist coming up out of the floor. And what's interesting is the cat is looking at it while he's taking the picture. You know how a cat will look at you if you're in motion, but this drew the animal's attention, as did the owner. That's why he took the picture. But not necessarily there. But in general, have you ever had a physical sample of ectoplasm? No, because ectoplasm, quote unquote, you know, disintegrates. But if you have the chance to, to capture a physical specimen, you would be interested? I'd find I'd be very skeptical. So what you're saying is somebody blows their nose and you want to keep it? <laughs> Sorry, I don't miss a chance to use a Ghostbusters yeah, line. Yeah, I guess gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. You don't want any of that uh, old-fashioned ectoplasm from the old the uh, cheese cloth days? <laughs> Coughing up the cheesecloth? No. <laughs> All right, well, while we're talking about the history of the paranormal and we're talking about going back and then talking about spiritualism, this Monday night, coming up, like two nights from tonight, if you haven't had enough of me already, come to Bay State Paranormal Center in Taunton, 20 Broadway in Taunton, and you can actually take the History of the Paranormal course. And this month, instead of just giving the overview class, uh, we're actually going to focus solely on Abraham Lincoln, because, of course, it is Lincoln's birthday coming up, and it's, it is uh, President's Day. We're going to talk about Abraham Lincoln, his psychic side, the, the spiritualism in his life, the, the mediums that uh, he encountered in, in his time at seances, what they told him, how they shaped uh, events that happened in our country, uh, and just uh, Lincoln's own experiences, the premonition of his death, uh, the, the just the best, and, and how it shaped him as a man and shaped our country as a result. And then uh, in addition, uh, at the Bay State Paranormal Center, that will be Monday, uh, so you can go to their website, baystatparanormalcenter.com, Find out all the information there to, to purchase tickets. It's only $10. So it's definitely well worth it to, to come out and, and help the center get going as, it, as it's starting to, to get its starting to really get the, the groundswell of, of support is really coming up. People are realizing what Bay State Paranormal Center can be and how much it can give to the community. And I, I think we're going to see you know, a lot more big, big events like they had there and a lot of these smaller events that they do too uh, are going to start to draw really the movers and shakers in the paranormal community in this area. So you want to get out there and meet these people and start working with them now. Uh, so that will be Monday. And the following Monday, 
the Wareham Historical Society is giving a presentation on Abraham Lincoln in general, and I'll be presenting a little bit on the psychic life of Abraham Lincoln there as well. So uh, stay tuned for that stuff. And uh, if you still haven't had enough of me, I will now read to you from what we like to call The Week in Weird. More bad news. Well, I got a great show for you today with some wonderful weird stuff. I feel, I feel so very weird. The Week in Weird. All right, Matt Costa, I noticed you're checking out Ghostbusters, the video game on YouTube. I'm so okay. excited. I, I can get that now. Okay. Well, that if be, it ever uh, comes out. That's true. Is it going to? Um, I don't know. No no release date there? The last time I heard, there was a little... Uh, Another delay? Delay in the uh, Sierra. Uh, so Atari, really? Atari picked it up, I think. All right, well, I can't go with the joke of what's going to come out first, Ghostbusters, the video game, or Chinese Democracy, since Chinese Democracy did come out. But what what will come out first, Ghostbusters, the video game, or the supposed Guns N' Roses video for better? <laughs> no, 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 okay. take a guess on that? All right. Well, our first story comes from the Longmont Times Call. And, you know, this is just an interesting story. It's It's one of these local events that somebody covered. Uh, you know, hey, this guy's coming and giving a speech at the local college. But what's interesting is what's being said. No grassy knolls, no mob conspiracies, just one man, one rifle, and three shots. That was and is the conclusion of Dale Wunderlich, a retired Secret Service agent who helped investigate the death of President John F. Kennedy as part of the Warren Commission. He spoke about the assassination Thursday at the Twin Peaks Rotary Club. Twin Peaks? Good point by you. <laughs> There's a lot of theories about what happened, said Wunderlich. At some point, you have to wonder, if it had been a conspiracy, do any of you really believe that anyone in Washington can keep a secret for 46 years? Hmm. Wunderlich helped protect five presidents from Kennedy through Jimmy Carter. On November 22, 1963, he looked after Kennedy during a rally in Fort Worth, Texas, but was off duty when the president went on to Dallas. He was at the airport when he heard the motorcade had been shot at. An early report said a Secret Service agent had been hit, and Wunderlich hurried back. He realized all the agents were accounted for. He said, who got killed? And the president responded, another agent. The sight of Kennedy's body face, uh, face down in the hospital is still engraved on Wunderlich's mind, and so is the funeral ceremony when even the agents themselves were in mourning. Uh, he said there's been a lot of stories and myths about the assassination, among them that the Secret Service was drunk. Not true, Wunderlich said. Several agents did go to a place called the Cellar Bar the night before, but despite the name, the cellar didn't sell liquor. We had sandwiches and near beer, he said, which Matt Moniz, they Yes. Okay, just want to be sure. Uh, also, uh, there was a fourth shot. Not likely, Wunderlich said. Researchers at California Polytech State University analyzes a Pruder film and a few years back and concluded that they sounded the fourth shot was actually a police Harley-Davidson backfiring. Oswald couldn't have fired a shot that fast so accurately is another myth. The range was, according to Wunderlich, the range wasn't very far, especially for the rifle used, Wunderlich said. 192 feet for the closest shot and 292 feet for the longest one. Moreover, he said Lee Harvey Oswald spent hours practicing rapid-fire shots, fast enough to fire three shots in 8.5 seconds. As a test, Wunderlich said, investigators sent a truck filled hay bales down the street at the same speed while the FBI armorer and the Secret Service armorer took shots at it. In 8.5 seconds, each put five shots in the kill zone. Oswald was trying to kill Connolly, Governor John Connolly. 
That may never be known, Wunderlich said. He said Oswald is believed to have had a grudge against Connolly, who as Secretary of the Navy wouldn't change his hardship discharge to an honorable one. The field of fire would have allowed a good shot at Connolly, who was wounded by a bullet that clipped Kennedy's shoulder first. And Kennedy might not have even been in the sights when the second shot was fired. His head was in his wife's lap after the first shot hit. The second hit his head as she pulled him up. And uh, so there you go. Those are some of the theories that uh, Wunderlich, uh, Dale Wunderlich, retired Secret Service agent, is disputing when it comes to the JFK assassination. So just thought that was interesting. You know, we, we talked uh, a few weeks ago with Tim Miller. We discussed this with him. We talked with uh, St. John Hunt a few months ago. So, I mean, this is something that we're, we're starting to hear. As we said, you know, you get these deathbed confessions as people get older in life and they want to start telling their side of the story. You know, we still have the people who want to present the other side as well before their time is up. So there you go. Hmm. All right. Matt Costa, what do you have for us? From the BBC News, uh, there and there could be thousands of them, according to an Edinburgh scientist. The discovery of more than 330 planets outside our solar system in the recent years has helped refine the number of life forms that they exist. The current research estimates that there are 361 intelligent civilizations in our galaxy and possibly as many as 38,000. The work is reported in the International Journey of Astrobiology. Even with the higher of the two estimates, however, it is not very likely that contact could be established with alien worlds. While researchers often come come up with overall estimates of the likelihood of intelligent life in the universe, it is a process fought with, with guesswork. Recent guesses put the number anywhere between a million and less than one. That would mean we wouldn't yeah. be here. So, so, so <laughs> they, they need to find one before they can start worrying about the other ones. Well, isn't it? Isn't it you, Matt Moniz, who says uh, you're still looking for intelligent life? Live on this planet, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, researchers often come up with a... Uh, it's a process of uh, quantifying our ignorance, says Duncan Forgan, the University of Edinburgh's researcher who carried out the work. In his new approach, Mr. Forgan simulated a galaxy much like our own, allowing it to develop solar systems based on what is now known as the existence of so-called exoplanets in our galactic neighborhood. These simulated alien worlds were the subject to a number of different scenarios. The first was the first that is difficult for life. The first one is that dif- you're reading from BBC yeah. News, so it's 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 not going to be in your native tongue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know how they write. That's true. It always throws you off when you see that S instead of a Z. There are misspelled words. Which is well, oh. uh, the first is assumed that it is difficult for life to be formed, but easy for it to evolve, and suggested that there were 361 intelligent civilizations in the galaxy. A second scenario assumed life was eas- easily formed, but struggled to develop intelligence until. Under these conditions, 30, 31,513 other, other forms of life were estimated to exist. The final scenario estimated that the possibility of life could be passed from one planet to another during asteroid collisions, a popular theory for how life arose here on Earth. That approach gave a result of 37,964. Not buying it, Senator. So, 
What do you think? Do you think that's how we got here? I think we, we rode in. On an asteroid? Yeah. No, probably not. Oh. Was it, who was it? Was it the little prince that rode around on a comet? Is that who that was? Yeah. Oh, you watched Little Prince? You're a dork. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I have nieces and nephews. Well, I was going to say, you know, back in your day, cartoon choices were limited. Yeah. <laughs> you kind of went with uh, what you got, Johnny Quest. All right, well, Matt, Ed Collins is going to kill me for that. He loves Johnny Quest. All right, uh, what do you have for us, Matt Moniz? I got something from the uh, Telegraph of the U.K. The number of UFO sightings logged with the Ministry of Defense, 185 last year, a rise described as phenomenal by experts. Wouldn't that be redundant? Uh, it is the highest number of sightings in 10 years. All the incidents are included in a document released by the MOD this week, which details the date, time, and location of the sightings, along with a brief summary of the eyewitness reports. The MOD only investigates reports of unidentified flying objects that it considers may pose a risk to national security. And the most of the incidents seem to have been logged and ignored, par for the course. Many of the sightings read like the products of an overactive imagination. In Scarborough, North Wilkeshire, in June 11th of this year, a member of the public member of the public reported seeing a cork-shaped object that glowed like an angel and flew up over some trees. Others are strikingly specific, like this description of a UFO near Blackpool in Lancashire on September 8th. An object, the shape of a chewing gum pack, black in color, and having three circles of lights underneath it emitting a dull orange light, it was about 150 feet long and 50 feet wide. Nick Pope, who used to investigate UFOs for the MOD in the 1990s and is now one of the country's leading UFO authorities, said that the doubling of the sightings was statistically extremely significant. In 2007, there were 135 reports of sightings and just 97 in 2006. If it was more modest an increase, one could say that was due to all sorts of reasons, but this is... Phenomenal, he said. There are some uh, interesting clusters of sightings in the summer that were there, and there were six sightings on the same day, albeit in different parts of the country and with different descriptions. Mr. Pope said that the increasing uh, sightings of reports was probably linked to the MOD's release of documents from the UFO archives in May and helped make the phenomenon a mainstream issue again. Many of the archive documents featured testimonies from policemen and pilots which sent a message to the people that there is nothing to be ashamed of about reporting UFOs, Mr. Pope said. Let's uh, let's try to get Nick Pope on sometime this year. I'll give him a call. Yeah, I, I shared emails with him a while back, and it just due to scheduling, it never worked out. But we he's definitely nice, should get him on He's a really nice show. guy. I... I, I I did some work with him and dealt with him back in the early 90s. And uh, very intelligent, very articulate, and a uh, really nice guy. And he's a, a great researcher. So we, yeah. we, we're always looking to talk to more of those because uh, that's who people are going to listen to. And they're not going to listen to us. I mean, even though you are a great researcher as well. But they okay. want to hear from all these people out in the field. And, and uh, they want to hear from some of these, you know, quote, unquote, 
authorities on the subject he's matter, a, and, and Nick is one of the most respected ones. And the reason for that is he's a, he's a no-nonsense guy. I mean, he doesn't take baloney from, you know, both the UFO field, the the pundits in the UFO field, or the skeptics. Mm-hmm. And he also doesn't take any guff from governments either. I, you know, I was hired by my government, as they said to me once, to do the job, and I'm doing the job. You know, they might not like what I do. Yeah. yeah, and I take my hat off to him for that. You and, know? and meanwhile, Matt Koss is over here on uh, on the old YouTube looking at trailers for Ghostbusters 3. You know if you keep doing that, you're going to get Rickrolled. <laughs> it's bound to happen sooner or later. Here we go again. All right, well, that does it for the week and weird for this week. Matt, do we get that other break in, or do we still we still have some, some bills to pay? Uh, we have one bill to pay. All right, well, in that case... Uh, what we'll do is we'll just wrap up the program here because uh, next week we'll be back here at 10 o'clock with our special Valentine's Day edition of Spooky South Coast. Why? Because we love you. And joining us in the studio will be our co-in for his once-a-month visit, and uh, he's going to help spread the love as well. Uh, I just got a feeling it's going to be really uncomfortable. And he- <laughs> I'm going to be in New York. so. <laughs> all right, well, you're all set then. You don't have to worry about it. You can feel the love all the way down there, and uh, we'll be here as well. we got a couple things we're working on for the guests but uh let's just say you want to make sure that uh, you have all your dream and nightmare stories ready to share with us so uh until then from matt costa from matt moniz i'm tim weisberg we want you all to stay spooktacular rest assured listener that my time here has not been easy and what you have just heard was not fiction although In many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now. At least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen.